Good morning. My name is Ross. I'm happy to join you. Thanks for joining online or right here in the room with me. Um, very excited to be with you as we dive in. We're starting a new series today. But before that, you know, as a as a young kid, I uh, with my grandfather used to go skipping rocks, and uh, maybe you've, you've done that before. Skipping rocks across the pond, across some sort of still water, and I was always the curious one that I would skip these small rocks. You try to find a rock that's nice and small and thin, try to you know skip it across. But I would look for a big rock, and my goal would be to take that sucker up. And it may be bigger than me. And I'm like, I, I need this to go as far as possible because I want to see the splash in the middle of this body of water, you know? I enjoyed that. I'd be sitting, standing on the shore, taking this rock and tossing it over. What would happen? It would hit. There'd be a splash, this ripple effect, right? That meets my toes. We're just seeing the water just move. You know, in our community today, we are experiencing a ripple effect of evil, of, of hours away, um, that has been brought to a local school, that has taken a life, injured many. And, um, you know, similar to that rock landing in a water, it causes the ripple that brings anger and grief confusion and demands change um and yet if we as followers of jesus we we know we, we've grown to know god as the one who is unchanging who is powerful all powerful almighty and yet he encourages us to come to him in those times we feel those things that we face those things anger the the need for change grief heartache I was speaking of the school, P Perry High School, uh, where just this last week we heard news of um, an active shooter who went in and uh, took a life and injured many others. And we stand with those feelings and that ripple effect in our community today. Uh, most likely we couldn't walk in the room without seeing those ripples on our hearts and our minds and the fear we have maybe for our own kids in our own community. Yet today, I wanted to take a moment to pray, and as we positionally do personally, we may corporately do together in unity to look to God for change. We think we just went through a series on, on prayer, looking at the power of prayer and how powerful our prayers are, that a holy good God would hear them and yet also answer them, deliver what we might want and desire in Him to us. And so we're going to fervently go to a God who can bring change, who can bring peace, who can bring uh, healing, who can bring change, who can unite a people to do his work by his will. And yet today we just get to what seems so simply, but yet is so powerfully pray. So would you bow your head with me? I'm going to lead in a prayer. And maybe you just pray amongst yourself in your own heart. The beautiful part about God is that when any of us pray, he hears it. So, so I may have words that you may have some different, and that's great. Um, but I encourage you to pray along with me, with yourself too. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we um, come to you with that heartache and that anger and that grief, God. We ask why. We wonder how. 
But God, we come in with feeling the ripples of tragedy, of evil, and loss of life. God, we pray for your comfort and your peace. We pray for you to bring change. God, we ask that you would unite the community uh, and not only equip the staff and the school with strength and courage in your name, Jesus, they would turn to you in their time of need. I, I pray over Psalm 34:18 that the Lord, you're close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And God, right now, many are crushed in spirit, brokenhearted for the acts of violence against them. So God, I pray for your protection. I pray for your peace. I pray for your comfort. God, I ask that you bring about the change in which brings you all the glory, that people would turn to you in a time like this and trust you and see you, believe in you. But God, may, may we see through you, Jesus, through you, Lord, an end to acts like this. God, we love you. And as a community here in Dubuque, only a stone's throw away, you could say. The ripples we feel, God, may it continue in our prayers, in our support, in our love, and our commitment to not only one another, but to the ways we can reach beyond our border of our city to the cities around. God, I pray that you give us visions to, to, to do those things, just a vision of how, how might it look like for us to serve creative minds. How might it look like for us to love in a time like this? God, we love you and trust you in Jesus' name. David. Amen. <clears throat> well, it's hard to um, shift from that to a, a new series. So I'm just going to take a pause and, and ask God just to help us in that because it's, you know, it's weighty. When we face life together, it's weighty, especially when the weight is life that is um, lost among us. So, so yeah, God, help us, help us dive in. So um, this morning we get to start a four-part series on our mission as a church. And we get to just faithfully walk through the scriptures and see how, um, as a church, we've missionally set root in the scriptures and how God calls us to connect, grow, and serve in Him and in Christ. And this morning, we're going to focus primarily on connect. We're going to go through each statement and kind of define it. And it'll look a little different uh, than maybe other Sundays, but we'll, we'll spend some time in this to help you grow, to understand, you know, what, what we're chasing after us, Hope Church, and what we're going for. Um, for many years, I don't even know how many years, too many to count, it feels, uh, we've been known as the church in our community as helping people connect with God. That anyone and everyone, no matter their background, could come in this room, could come in this space, could meet us uh, elsewhere, wherever it would be, and we would be people positioned to help them connect with God, to know God, to to receive that eternal life in which we've so received ourselves and experience that relationship with Jesus that uh, we do on our every day. And in that, uh, there's this mission that, that spurs forth. And you, you think of connecting with God, how powerful that is. That, that when we say helping people connect with God, we're helping them connect with a living, righteous, all-powerful, all-knowing God that changes everything about us, that changes everything about our life. 
And um, that's really big and really good. Uh, but in that, our, our mission as a church in Connect, Grow, Serve, we, we would see this as our hope for Dubuque. Our hope for Dubuque in the tri-states, that we hope for the people of Dubuque, the people of the tri-state area, would grow to know Jesus as their Savior, would have this very hope we have in Christ, and that we would be further helping them connect with him the best we can. So each week, what, what I want to do is we're going to define those missional statements, connect, grow, serve, what they mean, uh, and how we're going to do that <clears throat> specifically is walking through some scripture, further define, and then positionally help us point to what that looks like in our everyday, how we practically live out connecting with him and what that, what that looks like. And so here's the plane just, you know, you see connect on the walls, you hear connect in an email, you probably hear us say that. Here's what we're saying when we say connect. We are meaning this, connect with God in Christ. So missionally as a church, we want to put ourselves in positions to help people connect with God in Christ. And every one of our ministries and every one of our approaches and what we do, what we say, how we present the word, how we walk through it faithfully to help them truly connect with God in Christ Jesus and how powerfully, wonderfully that is life-changing to us today. And so we're going to be rooted in a passage this morning that I'm going to walk through some truths and then I'll highlight our path uh, and help us understand fully what we're meaning by that by the end of our time today. So Ephesians 2, 13 through 18, we're going to read through this passage, walk through it together and see what this says about um, how we're able to connect with God and reminds us of that through Paul. Uh, seeing some issues that, that not issues of the scripture, but some issues that were culturally at hand at the time too. And we'll walk through those together. So Ephesians 2, 13 through 18, if you have a Bible with you, it's on the screen too. You can read along. It says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, dividing the wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we have both we, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this morning and thank you for your word. That we're able to read it from the Bible and, and learn and grow and what it looks like to follow you, to trust you, to believe in you. It strengthens us, trains us, and equips us in the way of righteousness, God. And I, I pray that you would help us uh, take root in your word and understand what you're saying to us. Uh, would your Holy Spirit guide us in Jesus' name? Amen. Uh, I, I don't think you'd be surprised to say that our our culture, our uh, you know, in the United States, in Dubuque, we know rivalries well, right? If you think of it in our sports world, okay? When I just say Packers and the Bears, right? We know the rivalry so well, the Packers and the Bears. And now we're already looking around, like, who's the Packer fan in the room that has opportunity to go to the playoffs? And who's the Bears fan that are, didn't have opportunity past week one anyways? You know, it's just like all this kind of stuff. And I'm not a Packer fan. I'm a Colts fan who, who they can't make a throw on one yard and go it. You know, I'm, I'm among the worst of you Bears fans, okay? I'm yours. But either way, Packers and Bears, we know that rivalry. And we see it and we, we, we thrive in it. And although it's joking and it's fun, um, it's nothing hopefully more than that. It's fun to be a part of it. We think of Auburn, Alabama, 
think of Michigan, Ohio State, and, and tomorrow Michigan, Washington. They're going to create a rivalry out of that for the championship game. See, rivalries are so known to us uh, naturally in our sports sense, and maybe even so much so sometimes with uh, the places we live, and not in a not in a weird gesture, but you know, I live on this side of town, you're on the opposite side of town, you know, which ones, I, I love my side of town, you love your side of town, but like, we're better, oh, we're better, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just a fun gesture, I'm sure. But when we look at this in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul's describing a, a really deep, complex rivalry that has been spurred up. And when Christ has entered the scenario, um, is being removed, and he's bringing unity in a sense that they're not catching on to. And Paul's writing this letter, and he, he's in this position where he's writing this letter kind of on house arrest, and um, he, he and we'll get into that in a minute, but basically... He, he, there's this deep, complex hostility between the Gentiles and the Jews, and he's writing on behalf of this. And here's what it is, essentially, is on the Jews' perspective, the Gentiles just weren't Jews, and so they can't have what they have in God. The, the, the rivalry was religious, that Gentiles just did not know the God of Israel. It was also cultural, that the Jews had rituals and um, feasts and ceremonies and distinguished themselves from any other nation, and the Gentiles didn't have that. It was also racial. Uh, the Jews could boast about having the very blood of Abraham uh, and Isaac and Jacob flowing in their veins, and yet the Gentiles could not do that. They were, they were far from God. They were apart from that. And so there was this rivalry beginning that, that Paul's addressing here that, that's really important uh, for us to understand, even to our cultural context today. Yet, yet in this passage, Paul's pointing us to Christ, helping us recognize the unity that these two enemies, these two, this rivalry has now become one. So you picture the Packers and Bears fans in the room. They created a joint team and you both cheer for them. The Bears, Bears, the, the backers, you know, whatever. And, and, and further than that, this new identity, this new humanity that Christ is creating under himself. And so Paul's engaging with this complex hostile rivalry that's between the Jews and the Gentiles and explaining the way in which we understand our reconciliation with in Jesus Christ our Lord as in unity which has brought peace and through his sacrifice that through the very blood and so we open with that but now in Christ Jesus you who are once far away have been brought near by the very blood of Christ his sacrifice and so now we're understanding that through his blood we're brought near through his sacrifice we have relationship Paul knows this, they know it, but are still causing division among them based on some past, based on some present. And so point number one, if you're following along with us, is this, Christ has brought us peace. In this passage, we see really quickly on in the second verse we read together in Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace, speaking of Jesus, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, dividing the wall of hostility. And so Jesus himself is our peace that has come. You notice the scriptures say uh, explicitly, Paul doesn't mince words here. He's not saying that Jesus brought you another token of peace uh, that you can hopefully figure out. He's saying, no, he himself is our peace. That, that he himself is our peace between us and God and reconciliation by his sacrificial work. But also, we're then now getting to understanding that, that Jesus in his coming and in his peace, he's bringing through the cross, 
through life, death, and resurrection, is also bringing peace among each other who are in lordship under him. So, so Christ is our peace. He himself is. That as we've surrendered, believed, and trusted, we then have peace with each other together. For he himself is our peace. Trying to t- tear down this rebel, he's actually destroyed this barrier, dividing it, and which at some point in this specific cultural context would become violent, this rivalry, th- this division, this you're out and we're in. And even physically in, in the temples, there would be this wall that would be inscribed, Gentiles no further, Jews only. And so Paul's helping us understand that no matter what background, differences of upbringing, that when you surrender to the Lord Jesus, he is the one which is your peace personally amongst between you and God, but also each other in unity. Point number two is that, if you're following along, Christ has brought us unity. That he, by setting aside in verse 15, in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations, he, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So now we're seeing this wholeness in which Christ brings to everyone, to anyone, however you grew up. If you surrender to him, you are changed and thus are on the path of being changed by him. You grew up in the faith. You grew up apart from it, wherever. You grew up as a Jew. You grew up as a Gentile, whichever. He comes to completely destroy these walls or barriers that separate us. If you think of the Lordship of Jesus, if it's not greater than our political differences, than our economic differences, or even like educational differences or language differences or location differences, if you don't believe it's the Lordship of Jesus isn't greater than those things, we may fail to believe the true Lordship of Jesus. Now, they're much greater than those things that can be seen minor in comparison to his great sacrifice for our lives. These differences that they would wrestle over, work over because of upbringing or whichever, Christ is saying, in me, I'm the peace in which I'm bringing to you to have unity. Uh, you may not know this about me if I if I don't know you um, too well, but I love games so much. I love a good sports game on TV. I love playing a game, you know, with people. But I'm the type of person that I also love games and I love to win. And so I'm a winner, okay? Just kidding. But I'm very competitive in that way. And so competitive to where, uh, you know, I haven't really lost friends or anything, but like it can get a little heated. You know, you're like, what? What's going on? You know, just the other day, I, you know, we were actually playing ping pong with a friend. I'm in his garage. There's this point where I'm like playing and I'm like, there's like some oil on the ground. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm only losing to you because there's oil on the ground, dude. Okay. We got to clean this up. I'm slipping here, you know? I'm like so to the T, like you got to be equal grounds, equal playing, all that kind of stuff. And I'm really big into the rules. So you can imagine growing up, as maybe you did too, we'd create games and rules and do all this stuff. Maybe if you play Monopoly, there's a big 20 pages of rules, all this kind of stuff. But there's these rules we need to agree on in order for me to play and for us to play fairly. 
Now, when it comes to those rules, though, we need to we need to meet them. We need to like scrub them to the T. So like, there's no like wishy washy rules. Like, well, I know the rules this, but it was kind of like this type of no. It's like the rules, the rule, direct. We're in this box of rules and we're going for it, right? And if not, I can kind of get upset. Like, no, this is not right. Because what I want to do is I want to play a game with you where we both know the rules and I defeat you and I win. That's the goal, you know? Because then it's a righteous defeat. Like, see, I played by the rules that we agreed on and I still beat you. And that's why I'm a winner and you are a loser. No, I'm just kidding. I don't... I don't say that. I can get a little spicy, but I, I try to be I, seriously respectful. You know, to this person that beat me in ping pong, I think I was respectful. He can tell me later. But either way, I, I, I'm wired like that. <clears throat> so when we read this passage, when it says that for he himself is our peace, dividing the walls of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and the regulations, uh, this contention between the Jews and the Gentiles was so great, caused these rivalries caused this hostility. Um, it, and it was somewhat in the fact that the Gentiles just didn't keep to the law, to the rules. They weren't doing what God had asked before they'd even given their life to him, maybe a little bit during they're figuring it out. They just weren't doing it. And the Jews were so fed up. They're like, we want to honor God and do what's right. Yet you're just not doing it. And Paul's saying there's, there's this peace in Christ that we gain um, that, of course, leads us into following his commands. You know, the scriptures are very clear. He came to fulfill the law, not abolish it. And so it's still in play. We're in this position of still following his command. But yet we have been reconciled fully in things we could not do, and meaning follow the law perfectly, in him that makes us different. That his purpose was to create in himself one humanity, making this peace, and in one body, giving both of them through the cross, by putting to death this hostility, but also putting to death sin, so we may know God. So we may connect with him. So we may have relationship with him. So we may have trust in him, be renewed by him. Because positionally in Christ in our life, as we surrender, believe and confess we walk a path that isn't perfect but we're in position of a path of, of of payment through jesus that before god we are righteous and full that we are made perfect without blemish in his eyes because of the payment of jesus for our sin and so it's so much more deeper rooted than just the positionals at play here they're upset because they're not following these rules to this team. And the unique part about the law in and of itself is it had a purpose to condemn sin, but also point us to life. It could, it could detect sin, but, but the law couldn't pay for the sin. And that's where Paul's getting at. As Jesus is coming to pay and fulfill the payment for the sin. And that you may have life with God and still be a work in progress. Not that sin may abound, but that when you wrestle with sin, there's forgiveness and grace. That there's his mercies that are anew every morning. That he was this fullness and sin offering, which spurs us on to good works in him, to obedience in him, to full trust in him and our everything. And so Paul's setting this record straight, helping them understand that God did this by sending his son in likeness of the flesh. Romans 8 says, 8 through 4. 
to be this sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. That's what Romans 8, 3 through 4 says. Who we did not no longer live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit he gives us. And so Paul is really diving into the cultural context that is. Trying to help people understand Christ has abolished this division between you. And yet now you can positionally see the life in which he gives in unity amongst those who believe. Last point for this morning, point number three, is this. Christ has given us then access to God. If we continue in our passage, we see Paul then explain in verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. And so practically, peace to the Gentiles who are far, peace to the Jews who are near. This peace for both. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And this, my friends, is the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Is that in Christ, for each and every one of us, have opportunity to have access to God. To be able to communicate with him. To have relationship with him. To find favor with him. To be made righteous in Christ. To be with him a righteous and holy God, a loving and caring Father, that in Christ we have access through him, by him, by his power in us, by the very spirit that dwells within us, is God, is Christ, in me, in you. When we look at the direction of our church and we think of that statement, connect with God in Christ, that's the position required to connect with God to begin with. See, we're in the, in, the, in the mission of helping people connect with God. But as Jesus even himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That I am the one in which grants you this access of relationship with God, the Father, me, the Son, who loves you, sacrificed for you, the Holy Spirit, which dwells within you. I am the one who breaks down the wall and barrier of division that sin brought on between us and God. And I'm the one who's paid for it in in full payment. Don't you love that when you go to a store and and you pay in full? They let you leave with the item because you paid in full. Like Christ hasn't just paid for some of the sins you've wrestled with, uh, those really dark, you know, secret sins you've got going on or something secret maybe you, you got going on that you're like, hopefully he doesn't know about this. He's even paid for that. Like the payment is in full, paid in full. The life is yours to walk, yours to have in full. He's paid it. And the reality to connect with God is to be in Christ. You see it on the walls in our communications, connect, grow, serve. But really it's a mission that's written on our hearts. That's written on our lives. That's written on our practice in our every day of seeking after him, of trusting him, of obeying him. Because as a church, we want to be characterized. It's helping people connect with God in Christ, a people, a group who are rooted in him, trusting in him, enjoying him, serving him, most of all living a life of worship in him. Part of um, the statement as I close, because when we connect with God, we naturally have this response in our personal worship. 
And worship, sometimes we can put in this box, which is okay at, at times, I get it, to where like worship, when we think of worship, it's only song and praise. And that's a, definitely a part of it. There's definitely worship by song. But there's this deeper step in worship we take too, that we actually positionally in Christ can worship God with the fullness of our life, with everything in our life. And so it means not only the words we say, but the actions we do, that, that we want to be in worshipful response in our obedience. For what we're doing in our obedience is we say, I know the God whom loves me, who's sent a sacrifice for me, who I have connection ability with in Christ. And I own that. And now thus what that spurs on in me is a worshipful response and lifestyle obedience, joy, hope in him, trust in him. That helps us in our time of need as we root into God's word, just as last week we were talking through kind of those goals to set or, you know, for our, those spiritual rhythms to start in our life. When we positionally memorize God's word, it helps us flee from the sinful flesh. And so we're able to have this ability in him that the act of worship in our lives is to obey him and refrain from sin, trust in his word and follow him. And so worship is such a, 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 a prominent response to our decision of being rooted in him, of connecting with him and serving him. So this morning I wanted to, as we close um, right now, I wanted to draw us to a passage because we practically positionally right now get to stand and sing in a moment and be set off to live our weeks as that this isn't this time together in God's word shouldn't just exist here, that we should be walking in a way of worshipful response in our everyday by being in tune, reading his word, um, sitting in prayer and all these other things, I'm sure um, that you know of and, and some that we'll, we'll open up and, and dive into throughout the series. But when we connect with God in this positional praise, I wanted to highlight this passage in Psalm 106, 12, when it says this, then they believed in his promises and sang his praise and how powerful that, that response in us, even from this morning can be in our praise and worship. And so before I even close in prayer and invite the band to come up, um, I want to encourage you, may we grow as a church to be those who are marked by being in Christ, that being faithful to his word, be obedient to his command, be changed by his grace, be connecting with him in an authentic way, that when we invite others to do the same, they see it in us. They see him in us. They see his goodness, his promises ring true in us as we submit and obey and follow him. So let's close in prayer and then we'll respond in worship together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I pray for my friends that, that maybe that first step this morning to connect with you is a true surrender and, and confession and believing is Jesus, you are Lord. And so I pray that uh, for the person in the room that hasn't um, confessed and believed, surrendered to you, Jesus, that they would take a step today to pray a prayer similar to that. Jesus, we, we ask that you would um, bring them to new life in you. Maybe for the rest of us as, as a church who have surrendered to you, God, I, I pray that our next step would be to live actively in worshipful response, obedience to you in our everyday. That not only by song, which we take part in in a moment, maybe by song as we go home in the car or even at home, but God, it would be a worshipful response by the very living of our lives in our everyday. That, that we view our Sunday mornings together as a place where we get built up to go and continue this life of living obediently to you. 
So God, I ask that you would bless us this morning as we choose to be a church connected with you, God, in Christ Jesus, being rooted in your word, seeking you fervently in prayer, but also, God, worshipfully responding. We love you and trust you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.